just past 7 o'clock, and here we go. It's Monday night. It's time for Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and huge show tonight like it is every night. It, it, Ira, it seems like a lot of people don't have much to talk about on sports radio these days, but me and you, we keep it going. And this is our, for me and you, maybe our favorite week of the year. It's Honda Classic Week, and I think a lot of Palm Beach County and South Florida kind of comes to a standstill and gets ready for what I think is one of the most fun events you can attend all year. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And unfortunately, this year, uh, only 10,000 people a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they usually last year, a quarter of a million people. Uh, and you don't have the big names like Tiger Woods, and you don't have Rory and Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson and those. But it's still going to be, it's, look, it's an event here. It's one of the first events that post COVID or whatever that in the middle of it that we're going to be able to go out. I'm excited about it. I lo- I'll be out there for four days. I'll be walking <laughs> around. I'll be exhausted. But I really enjoy it. It's, a, it's just great to have this here. And it's so close for everybody to come out and see. And I'm telling you, I was just at the players for two days. And for those people who have been vaccinated, those people who are comfortable going out, you know, wearing the mask, um, it's the one event that if you're, if you're nervous about sitting inside for a game or sitting next to someone, mm-hmm. you go to a golf tournament. You, I was at the players. You could go around and there could be 20 feet, no one around you the whole time. <laughs> like you could just walk around. You want to go out and see something, get, get out of the house a little bit, walk around. You're not going to be around anyone with, with limited. There was times of the players where I was following even like the leaders. And there was maybe, I mean, I followed Colin Morikawa on Sunday morning. There were five people, five that's total crazy. people following him. So that's the point is that you can go and watch these players. I think it's a fun time to get, you know, go in the morning, go watch it out, and you're not going to see these crazy crowds that you normally would see at a Honda where you're just pushing and shoving and everything. Well, and as we you know, we spoke with Ken Kennedy last week, um, the executive director of the Honda Classic, so everything's going to be spaced out too. Bear Trap is the, the big draw, but you're still going to be spaced out. Once you have your ticket, you get in there, so you should be fine. You can learn more at thehondaclassic.com. Speaking of Honda Classic, Ira, two great interviews today with uh, two guys that are going to be playing. First yeah. up is Taylor Gooch. Right, Taylor, We I was nervous about getting him on because we saw if anyone's watching the players this weekend he was in about two strokes of the lead uh but he had a great tournament and he's a great great young golfer i'm glad we got him for an interview for today yeah he's uh he's got a lot of spunk and we can't wait to talk to him and then jim herman who's been on the show a couple of times uh jim herman's going to join us as well yeah jim has won he won a tournament the Wyndham last year uh had three pga tour wins and he's someone who has been struggling a little bit so with some missed cuts but he's a, it seems like after he misses two or three cuts and he wins a tournament so <laughs> uh, you, would you rather just make a cut and finish 40th place or miss a cut and then win so that's the game so Ira we always like to talk about where you've been um, you just mentioned that you were at the players you've put more miles on your car and done more walking than most people have over the past week but you've uh, took in the players and you also got a little bit of baseball in as well yes I went to the Washington Miami game I, I, I love you know how much I love spring training mm-hmm. uh, baseball and uh, it was funny I was getting I took my parents and I was getting them ice cream next thing I know this ball I, it wasn't a ball I, I don't know what happened it was like this loud boom and uh the a ball flew outside the stadium over the stands landed right next to me and i caught it on, on the bounce it was unbelievable like i looked and there's a ball in the air and i catch it i didn't have my ice cream yet if i had my ice cream it would have been a mess but, but you it gotta was drop like, the ice cream for a foul ball yes yes but it's, it's interesting you know seeing washington it seems like they're the they have signed so many players that are on had some down years last year but are still young enough the kyle schwarber's the josh bells the josh harrison's this uh sterling castro 
Castro. They have a lot of players on this team that if they come together, could have a real with their pitching staff, which you know is going to be fantastic with uh, Schwarzer and uh, uh, Strasburg yeah. and Corbin. Uh, I saw Corbin pitch now twice. He looks great. Um, so I, I like uh, Washington's chances. You put Juan Soto, MVP candidate, in that lineup. They're going to be very good. I agree with you. And if it wasn't for them playing in the NL East, which might be the best division in baseball, I think they'd have a little bit of a better shot. But of course, uh, we like to root for them and follow them here in South Florida. So let's get into the players, Ira. Everyone tells me that this is like the tournament. The golf course, it, the golf course mixed with the fun of the tournament, it's really like one of the best events you'll see on the on the PGA Tour. It's one of the easiest uh, tournaments to walk around. I mean, I think the greatest thing is everyone who goes to golf tournaments like I do. Um, it's parking. It's parking even at the Honda. It's it's a it problem. It can be tough, yeah. It's, you just pull in a parking lot and you walk right in the entrance. You don't have to have VIP, 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 no, whatever. You just pull in. They have a lot. It was designed to host an event. It was designed for spectators. So you just pull in like you pull into a normal event. I pull in and I park and I go and uh, walk right through and the holes are easy because they're sunken down. So when you're walking around, you can see everything. It's easy to follow. It's not jammed up. It's not, because remember most golf courses, it's like if you went to a, a, someone's house to watch a basketball game. And it's like, well, how are you gonna put up people around the house? Well, we'll move this around. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not like an arena because most golf courses weren't designed to have 100,000 fans walking around. But this course was, and that's why it's such a fun course to walk around and enjoy. I think it's a bucket list item for most people, and you, <laughs> you do it almost every year. Um, big congratulations to Justin Thomas. He did what, it, uh, did what it took on Sunday to knock down a big win, chase down Lee Westwood. Congratulations to JT. Yeah, for someone who uh, made the cut by two strokes, had an amazing Saturday, and then just was able down, down three strokes on the uh, ninth hole, uh, three strokes, and then suddenly within an hour is up two strokes. It was just that turn of events, so I can't wait to break this down and, and go through what happened. But uh, he had been struggling a little the, this year, uh, and but just to sort of came on. And, and I think when you look at someone like Dustin Johnson, D Justin Thomas, when they're playing great, they are they are not when, when you yes. term unbeatable, but they are on another level, and that's what they were able to do. And they have that extra gear. And I told everyone, it was like on coming into Sunday it was plus five fifty, and I'm telling, I think he's the person who's going to win this tournament. Now he was back then down uh, three strokes, so I said I like I like him coming in and passing Bryson. That Bryson was just playing average, and Lee Westwood. So it was a great, exciting. It was very exciting. So look, this actually was very important to Justin Thomas, though. You could tell, you know, he hung out around afterwards. He took a lot of um, pick. You saw him by himself um, and there was a good reason for this. Well, his grandfather had passed away. His grandfather is the one who got him into golf and was his inspiration and uh, I really feel like, you know, he said this was for him and he'd been talking about his grandfather throughout for the whole week, really. And uh, so I think it was, it was, a, it was, he definitely showed a lot of emotion um, and also I think it was emotional, the fans. I, I th he said he really felt he's a player that when we think of Justin Thomas, we don't think of the emotion so much per se, but, but he said the fans really he felt like I mean he had on that par four he drove a 350 yards right on the green on a par four on a drive we talk about Bryson having the length uh, Justin Thomas uh, certainly played great and has that and has that length when he wants to he said the fans gave an extra 15 20 yards so. <laughs> very cool stuff um let's talk a little bit about the history here of the players well it's a weird tournament it, people think it's not old it was started in 1974 by uh, Dean Beeman and it was moved around for three years it was started because the PGA said we're gonna have our own tournament so you have the PGA you have the TPC Sawgrass you have TBC Summerlin when in and and a lot of the golfers at the time the Nicholas's the Palmers are like why is the PGA Tour getting in the golf 
business. Like, why are they <laughs> building golf courses? Like, that's what we should be doing. And they were against it. There was a lot of friction about this. I didn't this. know that. And they and there was a point where well, well, the tour the tour wanted the PGA Tour wanted to have their own tournaments. They don't really run the Masters. They don't run the British. They don't run a lot of these. Like, it's they don't really run an event. And so they want to have this sort of like their own events at their own courses. And that was what the whole purpose was. And it moved around for three years. And they made this this is the Pat Pete Dye course who just uh, passed away. And uh, I was it was interesting. The 17 Island Green was a mistake. They were trying to fill it in, and and, and there was there was it was just it was built down like that. And they just said, boy, it looks good, and we should just leave it that way. But it was not designed to, to look like an island like that. <laughs> but uh, it has the most prize money, 15 million dollars. The U.S. Open is 12.5 million. This is 15 million, and the winner gets like five-year exemption, uh, three years to the Masters, three years for all the other majors. And uh, Nicholas won the first uh, tournament in 70, 74. So I always like to hear about your antics because there's usually some shenanigans that go on. But either you getting tickets, getting in, something happens. But this was kind of tame by all standards. Totally tame. I, I just got I. They have this thing, I like what they have, they have a patio pass where you could go to about five different spots and go into and get and, and go to drink. I mean, I certainly, I'm running around, I'm not eating, drinking or anything, but it's just a way <laughs> that I thought sometimes I get that to get a better view. I didn't really need it, but I bought those tickets. You buy them on StubHub and you can buy them it, really anywhere. They were selling those type of tickets. And I, uh, but I, I just thought it was good in terms of walking around. Like they didn't really have, they have the Champions Club, they have areas like that, but not like, I'll tell you what, there's not as many stands as there are in the Honda like almost it seems like every hole in the Honda has some yeah. sort of sponsorship they really don't because it's so easy to walk around you don't really need stands to go and walk around in that respect and and until Sunday I really felt like there was nobody there like it did feel a little empty Sunday it feels like they let all it's supposed to be at 20% it, it seemed like they probably let some people <laughs> in um, I'll tell you one thing the lines and concession stands like I cannot stand going to these golf courses and not like trying to get like you don't want to lose where you are with your if you just stay somewhere you're gonna miss following the leaders mm -hmm. and following your followers you can't wait in line and I was just I didn't like the fact that the concession stand lines were just so 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 long especially when you're walking you know five miles in the day in the heat you kind of need that no and I'll tell you what wearing the mask everybody was wearing their mask I did not see That's as good. much as outside the tournament I didn't see anyone wearing a mask inside the tournament people were like look I'm here I don't want to get thrown out I'll wear the mask those type of things I had a really comfortable one on both days so I thought that was easy but that was I didn't really you never felt like again you're outside you're you can distance away from the holes you don't have to stand right around the tee box if you don't want to um, it just seemed like a, it was just different it was a, it was a different now on 17 if it was on TV on that Sunday it did look more crowded but the point is you are outside and, and you are moving around you're not staying somewhere for more than what 15 minutes yeah. you're supposed to and do. there was noticeable roars on some shots so yes. we'll talk more about that so let's get by the way Iron sports true oldies channel at 714 I'm Mike Balsamo so let's talk about it uh, this just ended up being a good one yeah I mean Thursday it was a, I think it was known for that 17 is only I think what what is it's uh, it, it, it's like 135 yards away and it's uh, less than a pitching wedge yes, for these guys. And Lee Trevino once said he was he was nervous about it and he goes he goes my caddy can make this shot and he literally <laughs> had the caddy he was whatever he says take it and hit it and he hit it like right on the right on the green and that sort of so I think how you approach it but it it is an it is. I love the layout of 16 and 17. 16 is a par five, and you come right in. So people can sit around the 16th hole, but from 16, from this whole area, you can look around and see 16 and the teeing off for 17 and the island green on 17. You can't even do that at Honda. You can't see all those mm -hmm. holes at one time. So that's when you see all the crowds. They're watching the 16. It's actually the approach shot on 16, the 16 green, and then the tee shot on 17, and then the green, and then playing the green on 17. And I like that aspect of it. And and but. The the 17 definitely has people hit the vault. Kevin Nash shot an 81 with an 8. <laughs> 
on 17. <laughs> he took, and then I think four balls in the water. And Ben Om shot an 11. So I think <laughs> so when you shoot an eight. And uh, but it was like Thursday was the day that Sergio Garcia had a, had a nice shot. He's won this tournament before, and uh, he had and he's been playing better lately. And he had he shot seven under par, so he did pretty well that day. And that's what I was thinking right after Sergio uh, had that great performance. Like, here we go. This could be Sergio's, but it wasn't to be. No, no. On Friday. Uh, Lee Westwood, so we saw the last week from Lee Westwood, who's 47 years old, uh, from, and he was able to come back, this comeback in his career, which is amazing, but he shot a 666, he was 9 under, Matthew Fitzpatrick 8 under, Sergio was 7, Bryson was 6 under, and Justin Thomas, at one point on Friday, was like two strokes away from uh, uh, from the cut line, and he didn't know, it could have cut line, but at one, so he was right on that, he just just got in that cut line, and he ends up winning the tournament, just shows you <laughs> how the, it's, I'm so excited by it, by those times. Uh, let's see, uh, you know, no, I love the missed cuts. Uh, Rory McIlroy, and that's the story of the tournament, I think one of the biggest stories that maybe nationally, I've been looking for stories and I haven't seen it so much nationally, but the quote he, he made, he shot a 79 and a 75 for a plus 10. He says his swing is completely messed up. Um, he's now he's now eight straight tournaments without a top 10, and it's really just not been playing well at all. And he said he, the, his problem is I've never seen a golfer. He said, I'm trying to hit like Bryson DeChambeau. I'm trying to hit with that length. He said he's I, trying to up his club speed. Up his club speed, up my length, and I can't do it. And, and I loved the interview with Justin Thomas. He's like, look at me. I'm not Bryson. I'm I just I hit what I hit. I'm just gonna do what I can do. That's what I can do. I'm not gonna bulk up and, and become strong. And Rory, it seems like, has tried that and now it's messed up. His balls are going everywhere. He's not keeping in. And it, and he's never been that great a putter. He relied on his swing to just keep getting it. And it's it. so it, he he missed another cut. Uh, Xander Shoffley, number he's Rory's number eleven in the world and falling fast. Shoffley is the sixth in the world. He was missed the cut. Troll Hatton uh, missed the cut at seven. Patrick Canelay missed the cut. Webb nine, Webb Simpson missed the cut, Victor Hovland for 13, 14, Tony Finau. It's just, uh, and then Ricky Fowler, another, uh, unfortunately, another missed cut, who's 17 in the world right now, and he's just battling to, we're gonna, hopefully the Honda could be his jump start. Won it and before. Comeback. He's won it before. He's won it before, <laughs> and he's played well here too. So, but that was, and, and Gary Woodland and Bubba Watson. So a lot of these, uh, a lot of top 20 players did not make the cut in the players. Absolutely right, and, and it's a difficult tournament, and that's why we're, uh, we're happy to see that Justin Thomas did pull this one down. Let's go to Saturday. Well, I drove in on Saturday morning. So I got there like around 11 or 12 and I'm like, where do you jump in? Where do you start? What do you start to watch? So I, you have to look at, say, if you're looking at a group, there's no Tiger. I mean, it makes it harder. Like when Tiger's there, it's very simple. Tiger's there. <laughs> I remember one time Tiger was playing on a Saturday and I, or a Friday, I think, and I left. He was play, starting at like seven o'clock in the morning. And I left like at two so I could see 18 holes. But when Tiger's not there, you don't see it. And I'm like, well, Dustin Johnson, world number one. Adam Scott, another top 20 golfer. I love to see those play. And Johnson was just, he, he, and, he, and he teed off early. So it was like one of those where, until the leaders came. But uh, he, he just was, he shot a plus one. He hit the ball in the water on 17. Scott had a double bogey on 18. Um, it was, I think my excitement on Saturday was with, it's following Dustin Johnson and Paulina Gretzky, mm -hmm. who's his fiance and the mother of his two children. She, I'm gonna, I've said this before on this radio. I, I think she might be the nicest celebrity in the world. This woman goes around and she's falling around and she's not like has guards around or anything like that. She's just walking the course like every, with one of her friends. She posed for anyone who wanted to ask for a picture. She didn't say, oh, 
okay. Oh, maybe this was like, she thanked people for coming. She thanked them for following Dustin Johnson. She would go, she thanked every volunteer she thanked. Every single one of them when she passed the volunteer. I think she's one of the nicest. I go, I was talking to her. I said, what, you are the nicest celebrity. She goes, look, I, first of all, I'm not a celebrity. And where she is, <laughs> she's like a million Instagram followers. But she also said, she goes, look, my father, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time, he, that's how he, he, he was like this. Yeah. Like we were out when I was a little kid. He, he just, he, he would just, it was appreciated the fact that people liked him and wanted to follow him. So I love this. I, I will, if any, if I can make someone happy and smile, I'll do it. So I give her uh, a gold medal for being a great <laughs> celebrity. And it's not like she didn't grow up with nothing. I mean, she shows a lot of humility for someone who saw their dad be the greatest hockey player of all time. And then I, then I followed Bryson and Charlie Hoffman. And this was interesting. So Bryson, where this is the first time I really followed him since he's bulked up and everything and, and with his length. Charlie Hoffman, who is not known as the biggest and longest uh, hitter, he was matching him on a lot of holes. It really? Was, and I'll tell you one thing about Bryson. He's one of the hardest golfers I found to actually get the swing. Like, I like to get the picture, right? When the ball, the club, you can go on Iron Sports Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Iron sports and I have some amazing pictures up there but when he hits the ball like right on the ball I want to get that I could not get that I could not get his ball but it was weird not until Sunday when I think his swing really slowed down like I watched him on the driving range he must hit 30 ball I could not get that shot whereas Adam Scott I'm getting it I'm getting it with Charlie I'm getting it with any all the other golfers Dustin Johnson too I could not get Bryson but then he slowed either I figured out how to take the picture better or I think he he slowed down a little bit but uh but no I, I followed them around on uh, you know I followed then I followed DJ and and I followed Bryson and Charlie Hoffman and uh, just around the course. But, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Westwood, 13 under, uh, he's, we went through it, is 47 years old. From 98 to 2001, he was 160 weeks in the top 10. But then from 2002, he just dropped 182. And then back to 2008, 2012, top 10. Then he's back to like the 60th in the world. Uh, but the key thing is that uh, he started dating Helen Story. And that became his caddy. <laughs> and she is, she goes, his quote was, she doesn't know too much about golf, but she knows a lot about the way my mind works. So she keeps me in a good frame of mind, focusing on the right things at the right time. There's more to caddying than carrying and getting the wind direction. And I, this, Helen is great with her. Like, you can see how they joke around. He's having a dynamic. good time. It's, it's like, it's, it, when he was playing with Bryson, Bryson is like so serious. I mean, Lee is Westwood is serious, but it is when your girlfriend is holding your back. And she's so small. I can't believe <laughs> she, she holds this bag. She is just, it's amazing. She's a fitness instructor. Um, but the thing about Lee Westwood, he's never won a major in 80 majors. In the Masters, he's been second and third, six top tens. U.S. Open second as two-thirds, five top tens. British Open a second and, and two-thirds, six top tens. It's amazing this guy has not won this. And he said, like, this would be the biggest tournament of my life if I ended up uh, winning that. Um, and uh, um, so I followed. So then, you know, I said I, I followed them. Bryson w finished uh, 11 under on Saturday. And Justin Thompson shot a 60. Justin Thomas shot a 10 under for uh, uh was a 10 under shooting a 64. Now he the weird thing is he got done like an hour and a half before the leaders. Like I was should have been fall I I would have embarrassed like I didn't really I saw maybe like five shots at Justin Thomas. You didn't think about it. I didn't well I thought about <laughs> but I'm like you're with Bryson and you want to see how he hits and you want to follow that to, to see that situation. Doug Gim who's from Texas uh was what's world's world's number one amateur uh graduated Texas 2018. Uh he finished a 10 under then you had like John Rom the world number two at uh, nine under so and Taylor Gooch who we had on our show is a six under so I was like who should I follow like on Sunday that was the big question is you had the rematch at Bay Hill 
Bryson at 11 and uh, and Lee Westwood at 13 under. And I, I just decided to follow those, even though I told everyone I thought Justin Thomas was going to win the tournament. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I had my radio show on Sunday morning where I could have said, if you go on my Instagram, I said, I thought Justin Thomas was set up to play really well. And he was on, I think, as I said, he was struggling on Thursday and Friday, Saturday. You're shooting that, that low number. He was ready to go for Sunday. 723 Iron Sports. We'll have Taylor Gooch, uh, the aforementioned here in just a few minutes to talk about what he's expecting at the Honda Classic. Also, uh, wrap up the players. So let's get into Sunday, Ira. It was, it's, uh, it was an exciting day. Well, I, I found something out on Sunday. I, I, I said to someone, I said, I can't believe there's only four people or five people following Colin Morikawa. Now, remember, Morikawa on, starts so early. It was like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. So I'm going. I'm showing up there. There's nobody. And I go, That's I don't just think. bizarre. I don't think he's a, I go, I would expect more for a star. And someone said he's not a star. But he is 24 years old. He's fourth in the world. I would expect more than five people. Now, Dustin Johnson, around the same time, had about 100 people following him. But I was shocked that Colin Marikawa has not. I thought he was a bigger star. I really he's did. very likable. And he's also, people know who he is. He might, he, might, he might not be a star, quote, in your eyes. Not you, just, you know, the public. But he's definitely a recognizable golfer. Right. And I couldn't figure out who to follow because Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth were, fall, were starting so late. They were starting, like, at 11.45. I didn't want to start following them and go back to the leaders at 1.50 that were starting. So I followed uh, Dustin Johnson. They played again. Usually on Saturday, just they finish. This. It's mm-hmm. weird that you play the same Saturday and Sunday. So I followed them around, and Paulina was not there that day. And then I just stayed at 17. I mean, that was cool. I could get a great spot at 17. We usually in tournaments past, you couldn't get in there. And I'm like right behind. I have some great videos of all these golfers. So I stayed there for, I don't, you know how much I hate sitting at a hole. I might've stayed there for like 40 minutes taking, I must see like eight other golfers, like mm-hmm. looking at the pictures on, on the on the tee shots on seven. It's a most iconic hole of golf. So I wanted to to take those. And then I jumped up to see, I saw Bryson and Justin Thomas warm up and and wanted to go and see. And I, as I said, I followed uh, uh, Lee Westwood and uh, Bryson DeChambeau through it. And I knew, and the funny thing is that Justin Thomas was the group ahead with Gim. So he's one, when the group ahead is because they're playing when he's on a five, like he's on the green or on four, he's on the green when they're teeing off. So you could, it, it was interesting that he was one group ahead. And I was almost wanted to jump ahead to Thomas, but I said, when everyone Thomas took the lead, I'm like, no, I got to hang back because I want to see Bryson hit the eagle. Like I, I, as much as I would rather see Justin Thomas, I was hoping he was going to win. I wanted to see, I, you know, two golfers, Westwood and Bryson, who are in the mix. I'd rather see two than the one. <laughs> So what happened next? Well, then, so it's like, this could have been over fast. Lee Westwood birdied one. So he goes up 14, he goes up to 14, to 14, 11. And uh, so he's like set back, ready to go. And he has a par five as a number two. And then he bogeys it. So he gives it right back. And then... On the fourth hole, I mean, that was, uh, if anyone watched that tournament, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau hit a ball, call they call topping it. It went like, what, 80 yards? It mm-hmm. went to the women's tee. That's tee box. That's where I went. I mean, that was like, you would see, would you ever hit a shot like that? I do that three times around, <laughs> but I'm not Bryson DeChambeau. And then, but I didn't realize where his ball, like, I thought I didn't see it right because I was taking the picture. And then Westwood hit one. When he hit the ball, it just went, woof, right, right. Like, it was like, it was like, I thought it went a mile right, but it went in the water. Mm-hmm. But it ended up, Bryson's ball was so short it went into a place where they didn't even think was water there it was like embedded and whatever <laughs> so i didn't realize until i start walking looking where westwood's ball was i'm on the left side and i'm looking down the right so look at westwood and i'm like oh wait why is bryson taking a drop and then bryson had his second shot was even worse than that because then he hits it on the other side of the green and like these pine straws and then he hits another one just a complete disaster of a hole double bogey and westwood was lucky westwood was lucky making seven eight foot putt to bogey that hole and dropped it now to 12 and nine and that gave such a chance for everyone else to come in excluding justin thomas 
But all Justin Thomas was doing was like par, 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 par the entire, you know, wait, waiting for someone uh, to make a charge. And then, uh, and then they're, they're even even on a, on the eighth hole, Justin Thomas bogeyed. He fell back to, to nine under. He's three shots back. Uh, at one point, he was three at the ninth hole. He's eighth hole, three shots back. Uh, and but then. Uh, Lee Westwood bogeyed, Bryson bogeyed, so it's 11, 9, and 9. And then, uh, and then there was like on par 5, Justin Thomas birdied, so it was like 12, uh, 10. He actually took the lead from Bryson. And then it's interesting in this tournament. After the ninth hole, a lot of times 9 ends and 10 starts right there. The walk, there is, must be a walk of, oh, I would say, I don't know, it seemed like a half a mile between one. And I think that gives a time for golfers to think and talk. Like I walked out with Dustin Johnson and uh, first of all, Dustin Johnson, he lists himself as 6'4", 190, has to be 240, 250 pounds, 30 pounds. He is built like a lot. He could be like a strong safety. He's a solid looking guy. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember seeing him at Oakmont and he looks skinny. He is, his workout and regimen, everything you can see why. I mean, he's in, and Adam Scott's in great shape too. I mean, he's, Bryson is of course, as big as everything you see him on TV, he looks like that now. I mean, he's a linebacker. So, <laughs> So, uh, but then, but then on the uh, par, uh, that's a, uh, on the on a, they were on eleven. So they're teeing off on eleven, and it was like thirteen. It was twelve. It was uh, thirteen, twelve, and nine. So, uh, uh, or uh, I mean, sorry, uh, twelve, eleven, and nine. So at that point, uh, Wet Lee was ahead by one stroke over Justin Thomas. But you heard this loud roar. It was so loud. It was like the whole cross, mm -hmm. and you could just see how Westwood and Bryson just stopped. Like what was that roar? They had to know that Thomas had eagled ahead of them on the par five. So he then jumped. He went from being down a stroke to getting being up, so he jumped up to 13 under, and uh, so and then he actually then on 12 he birdied again to go up two strokes. So suddenly he was here's a guy three strokes down, two strokes up, turn of five strokes. But then on 14, Justin Thomas three putt bogey, terrible. I missed it, but you could hear the announcers talking mm -hmm. and how that was coming. And uh, and then and then and then and then Westwood birdies and Bryson uh, bogeys. But then on 16, it was like so at that tide it was 13 and third, so it was 13 13 going to 16. 16 has to be one of the easiest par fives. I mean, they were draw they were hitting their first shot within like almost on the green. Like it's it's all it's how easy that 16 played. Almost every day people were putting for eagle, putting for eagle, putting for eagle. Thomas birdied it and that took the one stroke lead. Westwood hit his shot. He hit a shot it behind a tree. Like I never saw anyone all day hit the shot where he shot and he ended up uh, just parring the hole. So he stayed at 13. Thomas was at, was at 14 under. Bryson eagled that to go to 12. They go to 17 and that's where, what's so funny is that you can be on 16 and putting and 17, you're watching 17 in. So they're watching Justin Thomas par that hole while they're playing their hole. So it's like, it's pretty cool to see how that goes on. And, and Justin Thomas parred 17 and then on 18, I missed it, but he almost had a bogey on 18, but, mm -hmm. but still Stayed ahead and uh, and was able to par that out and uh, and then fact that uh, he had two he had two strokes going into 18 uh, a lead over Westwood because Westwood bogeyed 17 and then uh, and that was like that was the pressure in terms of and then on 18 the only thing that was interesting is on 18 they uh, they had to hit in for an eagle so they're on the middle of the green it's beautiful the iconic clubhouse is sitting there in the distance and they're in the middle of the fairway and most other tournaments you would say. It's over. But you're like, I think that Lee Westwood or Bryson DeChambeau might make that eagle. Like, this is what, 150, 170 mm -hmm. foot putt? And they both came within 10 feet of the hole on there. So, like, you didn't want to leave and watch that and uh, to at least tie it. But uh, a big win. I love the tournament. I like the, the, I like, it was just, it was super exciting to watch. Absolutely, it was. And let's go now to uh, our good friend Taylor Gooch joining us here on Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports. We're talking to Taylor Gooch. Uh, getting ready for the Honda Classic. Uh, thanks a lot, Taylor, for coming on today. 
yeah, glad to be here. Uh, glad to be in uh, in South Florida, and uh, it's it's a little bit colder back home where I'm from, so it's it's nice to have some heat. <laughs> well, you're from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I'm telling you, you, went to Oklahoma State, and it's hard. I mean, you were playing in the players this weekend, but you're following your uh, Cowboys in terms of the, they're going to have make a nice run there in the tournament. Tough first uh, game against Liberty, but this could be a bit, you know classic year for the the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously, Cade is leading the way, and uh, and, and Coach Boyd. And, I mean, they, they got a squad, man. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, they they they. They just lost Texas. It was a good game. Texas was kind of on fire, but they uh, our squad's definitely got some momentum, so I'm, I'm excited to see them go do some good. Yeah, but a lot of people are picking Liberty in this game. It's like one of those upsets. I'm a little nervous, but I, li- I like Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma State to go to the Final Four, so to beat Illinois. So, but, uh, so I'll be hoping for, for a good win for you guys. I knew I liked you. I'm on the same page. <laughs> so Taylor, you were a little. I was at the. I was at the players this weekend uh, watching. I walked, uh, the, but you were actually playing, and you were amazing. Uh, just in a tremendous weekend and a tremendous tournament, finishing in fifth place, and in the you know a few strokes behind the leaders almost all day long. So congratulations on a great tournament. Thank you. It was uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a good week, and we kind of got in the thick of things coming down the stretch. And uh, Justin obviously played great, and so did Lee and Rice and all the, the guys ahead of me. But yeah, it was a good week, man. It, we were we were close, and we hope to you know continue to get in traffic. And one of these days, we'll uh, we'll run into a W. <laughs> well, you shot a seventy-one and sixty-eight, seventy-one, and then on Sunday you finished with birdies on seven, eight, eleven, thirteen, and sixteen. And everyone's kept saying you're, you're you know, following this. They're like, well, if they if the leaders fall back, you're there right in the mix. So it must have been exciting to know that you know you were the one. You and Justin were the two golfers to really make that charge there on Sunday. Yeah, you, uh, you know, I had a couple of texts from some buddies back home, and I, I think it's bad karma to root root bad against. Uh, you know your your competitors but my buddies back home definitely don't think that because uh, i had a bunch of uh opiates in the water text uh <laughs> for the for the guys coming down the stretch but yeah we, we put a little bit of a run on 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 sunday but like i said justin played some some dang good golf and uh but like i said we we did we did some good too so hopefully we can keep it going now you're on the course. Did you like it? Looked like at first when the day started, Westwood might have run away with the tournament. But when you saw that he and Bryson had trouble on four, did you know? Like when did were you aware of? Wow, I have. I'm like I'm still in this. Like it's not at 15 or 16 under. Like I still have a chance if I get some birdies. Yeah, I mean you just you kind of know with that golf course, it's 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 a monster, and you, you just you know guys aren't gonna normally aren't gonna just go and run away with it. So you you, you know if in the position I was in, if I can go out and you know throw a 65, 66, 67, something like that up, that it, it's gonna it's gonna stand a chance. And um, you know, obviously uh, Lee was playing well, and Bryson obviously they've been playing great lately. But it's just it's just one of those tough courses to to really just go and not make a mistake and go run away with one. So I, I knew that uh, kind of the whole time, if I could go throw up something something decent, uh, it was gonna stand a chance. And what about the crowds? I mean, when Justin hit his eagle, I was on the following Bryson and Lee at that time. But when, when Justin hit that, I mean, it was like the course shook and when he had the eagle eagle there. It, the, the crowds were tremendous, very loud, enthusiastic. Yeah, I mean, we're – I know myself, but uh, I think everybody else out here would agree. You know, we're pumped to be in Florida and 
to get out of California and have some fans back, man. It, it's like we always say, you don't dream of playing on the PGA Tour and standing there and looking at the sidelines and not seeing anybody. So it, it's, man, it's the atmosphere that uh, we had last week and, and just having fans back. There's there's nothing like it. That's, that's what makes this, uh, that's what, you know, makes PGA Tour what it is. And then you've, you've had a good year so far this year. You know, in terms of 14 events, you made 12 cuts, three top tens. So you seem to be rounding in form. And with the performance of the players, you got to feel confident for the rest of the way this year, this whole summer. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had some good finishes. And, and I've you know, when, like I said, when I've kind of been in the thick of things, I, I've played well. And we haven't we haven't come through yet. But, uh, you know, that's, Tiger's kind of uh, – it set a set a standard that's gonna, gonna be hard for uh for anybody to uphold so you know like i said we have some good momentum going the game feels good and we keep getting in contention i know that uh i know that we're gonna hit sooner than later so like i said hopefully we can keep it going and hopefully we can run into one of these w's here soon well maybe it's this week at the honda i mean you've had semi-success but i think two times you were 39th uh, 20th two years ago 39th last year uh had some good rounds so you must like this honda this course at the honda and uh, at pj national so you must be looking forward to this yeah you know I, I was just talking with my caddy uh mal baker we we like this place and I, i've actually played tournaments here since i was a kid i played a, a tournament here i think when i was maybe 10 or 11 years old uh it's called the optimist international and uh and so i i've played i've been in this area i like this area i've, I've played a lot of golf here for for you know quite a long time and so you know i like being here and and hey maybe maybe we can get something special going this week and i guess the island green at the players at sawgrass was great preparation for the bear trap here at the honda you've now had the par threes over the water you got that you know you i think you had a bogey in three pars at the at the players so you're ready for the honda at the bear trap yeah shoot uh the bear trap is a little a little bit different of a beast than than that one is because uh at least at uh, at the players, we only have to deal with one of them, and uh, at, here at the Bear Trap, we got two of them we got to deal with. And there's a little bit more wind here normally, so man, it, it's a it's a really good course, a really good stretch of golf coming you know coming down the last few holes. And uh, there, there's always going to be a little carnage, and you just hope you're not one of those guys that uh, is a part of that carnage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor, I know you're really busy getting ready. I really appreciate you coming on. I run sports. I, I was like thinking like. When I was following yesterday during the week, I'm like, if he wins this tournament, I don't know if he's going to do the interview today. But but I was hoping for you to win. But uh, it was, I think. Look, I think he did great. It was amazing, and and I think being in the mix there and being in the leaders, that that just was great experience to be in that whole that whole scene right there at the players. Hey, if I win any tournament, I'll I'll be back on. Trust me, <laughs> I'm, you don't have to worry about that. It just may be maybe a day later after I've had a little bit of time to you know, get a little breath in, but nah, it, it was great experience. Uh, you know, one of the best tournaments, one of the best fields in golf. And, uh, it was, it was a fun week and, and I'm already ready to, uh, to get going this week. Well, best of luck for Oklahoma state, this whole tournament. Let's see, get, 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 win the, win the final four. You win the Honda. We got everything going. So good. So thanks a That's lot. That's right. I like it. <laughs> thanks a lot, Taylor, for coming on. So maybe Taylor's our new favorite uh, athlete, Ira, because he's guaranteeing us an appearance on Iron Sports uh, once he does pick up a, a win here. 7.38 it is, Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, I'm Mike Balsamo. And Ira, here it is, the most popular day of the year to get a vasectomy is Wednesday because the NCAA tournament starts on Thursday, and this is what guys' plans are. Let's quickly talk about this. You 
I like the way you approach your bracket because a lot of people will just take chalk the whole way. But you watch college basketball so intently, you know who's hot. You know who's got injuries. You know who matches up well against each other. So let's talk about it. Let's go to the West bracket. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, I, I've, you know, I've been talking about Gonzaga all year. So just put them, yeah. in, put them in for the Final <laughs> Four. Put them in as a national champion. But I do like – I'm not afraid of their 8-9 game, Oklahoma-Missouri. I think Oklahoma wins, but it doesn't really matter. I know Harrison, who was an intern, big Missouri fan. But Gonzaga is going to win there. But I'm interested in – Creighton has not played well. They're the five seed. I like uh, UC Santa Barbara. I've watched them play a couple times. I would be surprised if UC Santa Barbara upsets uh, them. And Virginia has not – Virginia's been up and down this year. They're a four seed. Ohio is really good. They have a guy, Jason Preston, who might be one of the best guards in the whole tournament. Uh, it's a type of thing where one guy can turn this tournament around. Virginia's defending champion from two years ago. Nobody, I think there's two players on the team that they were bench warmers back in those days. So the point is that I really, I think Virginia on name only, I like Ohio to win that. I like UCSB and Ohio both winning and uh, maybe Ohio playing Gonzaga, you know, advancing. Every, every year there's a double-digit seed that gets through to the Sweet 16. Ohio might be that team that plays Gonzaga. Gonzaga will win, but I like it. That's, that's the top half of the draw. The bottom half has some interesting games. USC, you're going to see uh, Eric Mobley, who's one of the star NBA players, potentially. He's playing for USC. They have Kansas play. I uh, Look, Kansas will get through, play USC. It's a tough game to call. Kansas has their COVID problems, but I really like Kansas probably to beat USC. And the bottom half, I, I like Iowa to get through. Uh, and uh, there's the, the Oregon, Oregon, Oregon will play uh, Iowa. Oregon's good, but I like Iowa to beat Oregon. And then Iowa with Luca Garza, who's one of the Player of the Year candidate, uh, them to, to beat USC. But then at the, uh, I'm sorry, to beat Kansas. But uh, but then Iowa would lose to Gonzaga. So know. what do you think happens uh, in the East bracket? Um, well, the East is the East is a little is is interesting because of Michigan because I think Michigan has played great this year. Everyone sees her name, but uh, they have lost one of their star players, and I think by not having him, uh, no lizards in terms of his uh, just losing your best player, probably the best player on their team. I, I'm scared. I would be scared. Now they're going to get through that first round, but then they play LSU, play St. Bonaventure in the eight nine game. I like LSU beating Michigan. I think uh, I think that LSU will get through to that. I, I know Florida State didn't look good Saturday night. I watched the game after the players and was watching them against Georgia Tech. But I, I think they're going to be – I like Florida State. I like the Scotty Barnes is going to be another and top NBA draft pick in the, in the lottery to watch him play. Uh, I like Florida State getting through there. A team in the East that I like is BYU. I've seen them against – I mean, they're the only team that plays Gonzaga. They have they – are, they are excellent. They have Alex Bacaraz is, is a great player uh, on their team. I, I think they, they have a game against Texas that's just going to be phenomenal. Like that, that's the game, and that'll be the, the second round game. Uh, but I, but then the bottom half, I'd like Alabama. So then you're going to get Alabama, BYU, LSU, Florida State. Probably like Florida State to get through, Bama to get through, and then Bama to beat Florida State. So I like on that side of the draw, Gonzaga, Bama. So it's like a one or two. So it's sort of like chalk, but but I really like Alabama. They are. They are a great defensive team. They they get turned a lot of possessions. Nate Oates came from Buffalo. He did it. He's been a he's a great young coach, and he's turned. I mean, Alabama has had all the money and everything, but it's just they have now finally found. They went through like four or five different coaches. They finally got the right way. And Avery Johnson is the yeah. coach there, but Nate Oates does a great job there, and, and is just really turned around that program. Well, let's go to the South here, featuring the uh, number two overall seed, Baylor. I'm nervous for Baylor. They have not. They, before COVID, they were as good as Gonzaga. but uh, And they have Jared Butler, who's one of the top players in the country, and Mitchell, who's going to be highly drafted. Uh, but I, I, I just, I'm nervous about this team. And I think this South region could be carnage, carnage, because 
I like UNC a lot, but UNC is the type of team. This is this is what's going to happen here. UNC could beat Baylor. They're that good that they could beat Baylor, but UNC also can be beat by anybody. So it's like <laughs> when you play in tennis, like somebody's style might be enough to beat the number one seed, but after they beat the number one seed, they lose, and that's when you have these wide open. So look for the South, because I really, really like Winthrop to beat. Villanova has been, Galepsi, their star players out. They have another player that's hurt. They haven't played well. I think Winthrop could beat them. Uh, I'm not sold on Purdue at a four seed. So I think Winthrop can go through, that, like Ohio and the other region, Winthrop could be one of those teams that goes through and plays like UNC or Baylor. I, I, I'm on the fence both ways. I'm going to say UNC. For I have to go. And then I really like Utah State. Utah State over Texas Tech. That's an 11-6 game. And... I'm not sold on Arkansas. People have been talking about Arkansas. I've seen them play. I, I just don't think they shoot well enough. I, I love Col Colgate's one of the best shooting teams in the league. They only played in the Patriot League, but they have like four seniors, five seniors, and all they do is they everyone shoots 50% from the three. And that's how you win these tournaments. You play yeah. a 40-minute game. They're hot. I like Colgate beating Arkansas uh, in that. So I think it's like you could have a Colgate-Utah State, you know, what in terms of the next round, maybe maybe Utah-Colgate to get through. So you could have like Winthrop and Colgate. And then in the bottom half, another team that hasn't been playing well is is Ohio State. They're a two seed. They've lost like three out of five games. They were hot. Um, I'm not sold on them. Florida might have a chance to beat them. But honestly, I think Oral Roberts can, can get through. Oral, Oral Roberts is a phenomenal team. So these are this is where this is the region where I think all the big name teams could weak. I mean, you have Oral Roberts playing Colgate and UNC playing Winthrop. Like, this is just total <laughs> carnage. Uh, and then maybe like you know UNC gets through to go to the final. Like that's the one region because it's usually isn't it like one region where it's the total mess. Like that's gonna happen. Always. So if you're gonna pick something, I think the South because I think Baylor is that weak number one team, and I think that's the one uh, the one where I, I I could see some some big time upsets. And moving to the Midwest. What's your prediction here? So Illinois has played. DeSarno is their star player. They call him Batman. He's great. He's superstar, all this other stuff. He's played great. I mean, you really think that Illinois can go through. But then you have Cody Cunningham, as we just talked to Taylor Gooch on, for Oklahoma State. What if Oklahoma State, they have to get through Tennessee, which is going to be tough. But Oklahoma State, you could have a sweet 16 game of Illinois and Oklahoma State, two of the best players in college basketball going against each other. Just an epic game. Sort of, I like Oklahoma. I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm on the fence on that one. I'm gonna say Oklahoma State. Um, and then in the further, in the bottom half, I think the winner of that game gets to the Final Four because you have Houston as a two seed, who actually is underrated as a two seed. Um, a lot of people are picking Syracuse to beat San Diego State. I think San Diego State wins that game, but in the end, I think West Virginia wins. Clemson wins over Rutgers. Houston, I like Houston over West Virginia, and then probably Oklahoma State over Houston. So you have Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I could see Oklahoma State or Illinois. I can't decide going to the final game because I really think they'll beat the UNs. That winner of the South, which has the carnage, I think that that's why I think that Sweet 16 game, Illinois Oklahoma State, is for the it's for the national championship game. That's how big a game that's going to be. It's going to be in the Sweet 16. And then of course Gonzaga beats Baylor and. Uh, I think Oklahoma State beats UNC, and then Gonzaga beats Oklahoma State. Really good stuff. At 7.46 here on Iron Sports, what do you got? Uh, one more thing is that the tournament has playing games Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Thursday night, Michigan State, I, t I told you this was going to happen. They were going to put Michigan State-UCLA. They won a marquee game. That's what they got. So Michigan State-UCLA plays Thursday night, and the winner then gets in the tournament. They purposely, and they put Syracuse in the tournament. And that's, again, to make sure, because the, the, it's not like you get the vasectomy you talked about. You want to get that on <laughs> Thursday, not Wednesday. 
because really all the games are going to be Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. and then the second rounds are Sunday, and then take Monday off too because then you get games <laughs> on, you get some games on Monday. So it's weird how the tournament, because of COVID, they scheduled it. And also, there's some rumors that some teams have, might have issues or whatever. There are like four teams, like Duke is waiting in the wings if there's going to be a cancellation. And it's just like in a tennis tournament when someone drops out, and if a star player, after they set the draw, they don't redraw. They just, people say, this is unheard of. They never heard of this. This happens in tennis for like 100 years. It's like they put a qualifier in. So if like Federer is the number one seed, he's out. They put the qualifier in as the number one seed. People don't say, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. That's how it is. So they do that. They've done doing it tennis forever. That's interesting stuff. Uh, let's go to our buddy Jim Herman here on Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports. We're talking to uh, Jim Herman. Uh, Jim, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Get ready for uh, the Honda Classic this weekend. Yes, it's uh, always great to have uh, this week. Um, you know, we're going to get some fans back, and uh, um, just good to put the Honda Classic. Yeah, here here in uh, sunny South Florida. <laughs> so I was just at the players, and it was it was great to have those fans and the excitement there at the players. The must have been uh, you know exciting for you to to be out there with. I mean, it said twenty percent, but it seemed a little bit more than the twenty percent out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but anything's better than where we've been. It's uh, just uh, so much great work um, by the tour, um, working with the officials and getting the fans back out there, just getting us out there. Uh, last June was amazing. But, uh, you know, here we are and about a year later, and we um, just getting some fans back out and trying to get a little bit back to normal. I know we got a long way to go, but uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Now, we had you on uh, before the Honda last year and also after you won the Wyndham uh, for your third PGA Tour victory. And I, a lot of my co- um, uh, listeners has to have this question because it comes up a lot is, how do you plan your schedule in terms of which events you're going to play in? How are you going to do that? Is it Do you like to play two weeks, two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row? Like Because there's all this discussion about how they you know, plan a schedule for like where the Honda fits in with the schedule. Sure. Uh, there's so many factors that go into it and just mostly at, at your stages in your career um, also di- dictate uh, um, how you how you plan your schedule myself being uh, one of the older guys uh, you know I've got a family and that that goes into it I've got an 11 year old and a seven year old and going on the road for three four five weeks in a row just is not uh, an option anymore so it's about a two week stretch for me and then you know I gotta get home and and be dad and be around and uh you know, so within that, you got to plan events that you like, courses that you like, and uh, places that you've had success. Uh, mostly is what dictates it. Um, you know, at this stage in the game, you got to go to places where you have had success and um, try to build off that. So I'd, I'd say uh, for younger guys, I think they just go and play, and um, you know, they plan anything they're in. Um, but as you get a little bit older, you're a little, little selective. For me. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Florida, Florida swing. I'll, I'll, I'll play everything in the Florida. Um, kids can come out, um, especially like this week uh, uh, with spring break, and uh, they were up with me last week at uh, in, in Jacksonville. But uh, um, you know, you just pick your spots. Everyone has their uh, their hometowns, and you know, you want to play play events around that. And uh, but for me, I wouldn't miss the Hunt Classic here for sure. Talk about age. I mean, Lee Westwood's forty-seven. You're forty-four. You, you know, th- you're just entering your prime. I guess that's how we're considering what golfers' ages are now. So it's uh, pretty amazing yeah. to see um, you know, Lee perform at the high level. You performing and winning last year at the high. It's uh, it's pretty nice to see uh, golfers hang around and and uh, and actually get better and improve. It is. It's it is nice to see the game has gotten so young. The tour has gotten so young. 
Um, nice to see some some of the guys in the 40s winning. You know, I've, I've won twice in my 40s. I know Lee's right there, knocked on the door the last two weeks. Stuart Sink, Brian Gay won their 47. So, you know, we're we're still kicking. You know, the the young guys have the distance on us. We got a little experience. Uh, when we do get in the mix, I think that is the best thing that we can draw upon is our experience, and we have done it. And, uh, you know, some of those guys have done it for a long time. Um, but, yeah, we draw upon what we can. We don't have the, uh, the talent, the raw talent and speed that some of those guys have now. But uh, it, it is nice to be out there and compete and still uh, be able to uh, hoist a trophy every, every now and then. And based upon your win last year, I think that you're playing in the Masters. If you play in the Masters, Masters once, and I think you're playing in the Masters this year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're most excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, very excited. Um, 2016, the, the tournament came so quickly, winning in Houston the week before and then just being thrown right into the stage of uh, Augusta National. It, it just never really got a true feel for it. Uh, you know, just I blinked and it was over. And, uh, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to – post another win that got me in and uh, looking forward to a couple weeks from now going up there and giving it a little bit better shot. I was able to um, go up uh, go up and play a couple practice rounds and uh, you know that's just the, the biggest benefit they could ever offer us is just <laughs> uh, access to Augusta National when we when we can make it work and uh, you know that's just a dream you know just to go play Augusta National with no pressure or just just to go and soak it all in. So it's uh, pretty amazing. I'm going to try to get up there again next week and, uh, and just be as prepared as I, as I can be. And you're also in the PGA, which is in South Carolina. So another, another major close to your house in terms of getting to and, and, and have a good shot there at, the, at Kiowa Island. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I've never played Kiowa. I've been around Hilton Head, played some in Charleston, but never gotten out to Kiowa. So um, definitely would like to get up there maybe in a – a few weeks prior to that that event week and and see it, but I know it's a, I know it's a challenge. So um, yeah, it is nice. Uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, I'm sure we'll have spectators there as well. So it'll be nice to get some family or friends out there. And you've had some great results in the Honda. You were in 2015th. You were seventh. You were I think 25th or 26th, 27th in 2017. So you must like this course and uh, and probably optimistic in terms of uh, this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm, I haven't had the best results here uh, leading into i don't think i'm far off i just haven't had you know great results so just getting a few miscuts here string together and uh, try to break that uh, this week at honda i enjoy playing there there's water everywhere um <laughs> gotta drive it well you gotta hit some good irons and uh and then you gotta putt well so uh we'll see how it goes um you know got gonna put last week behind me and uh just uh you know, look forward to teeing it up on Thursday. But you seem to win your tournaments. You have a couple of miscuts, and then you win the tournament. So I think you're you're due to win. You, you yeah. go from a miscut to a win. <laughs> so I think I, I, there's nothing wrong with having that uh, <laughs> that strategy as long as you can put that win at, at the end of a string of miscuts. This 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 game is very difficult. It's a mental challenge every week. Uh, new things. You know, if any golfer says they're not, uh, you know, dealing dealing with the mental challenges of golf and life on tour and everything they lie in. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a grind week to week and trying to, uh, you know, just the smallest things, missing a putt on the third hole could just trigger a few things or making a putt can, you know, 
bring back good memories and you just you find your your speed and your putting and you know then it all clicks and just like last year at Wyndham I mean I was just right in the middle of the pack and then just make a few putts and then all of a sudden you can put up a 61-63 and, and win a tournament so um it's a it's a weird game and uh that's probably why we probably why we love it so much and but you finished well Barbara Saul and then also Wyndham your ability to be in that mix and to, and to, a lot of people finish like third and fourth or whatever. You, you found ways to finish these tournaments. So that's, that gives you some hope. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just more comfortable in that spot on the weekend versus those, those Thursday and Friday rounds. So once I'm in the, in the situation, I'm, I'm comfortable at just getting to those positions. So um, I got to get, put myself in that a little bit more and uh, we'll see if that's, that trend continues. But uh, it's, like I said, we're playing against the greatest players in the world um, week in and week out, and if you're just a little off, it doesn't take much, much to miss cuts. So um, everyone out here can win at any time, and I'm uh, just going to try to do my best to see what we can do this week. Jim, I really appreciate you coming on Iron Sports. You've come on a couple times before, and I, I really appreciate it, and best of luck this week at the Honda. Yeah, thanks, Ira. Hopefully see you out there, and uh, look forward to having all the fans and uh, – you know, it'll be a great week here at uh, in Palm Beach at the Honda Classic. It should be. Great weather, great tournament. I can't wait to see you out there. So good luck. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, thank you. Ira, you definitely should go say hi to old Jim. I should maybe follow him for a few holes uh, this weekend. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel at 756. Let's go to the NFL, Ira, and it's official. We kind of knew this was coming, but it's official. First uh, – Going to be unanimous first bout Hall of Famer. Drew Brees is calling it quits. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees finishes with the most yards in football, 80,000 yards in his career. Brady's at 79. It's amazing. He's at 80,000, and Marino is at 60,000, 61,000. LA, 51,000. Showing Aaron Rodgers is at 51,000. 30,000 more yards. Drew Brees, touchdowns. He has the most touchdowns, most yards. He's going to be uh, a second to touchdowns to Brady. Uh, from a second-round pick out of Purdue, played four years at San Diego, and then went to the Saints for 14 years. Of course, this could be him retiring from the Miami Dolphins with like maybe two or three could Super be. Bowl titles. Uh, they chose Dante Culpepper in 2005 <laughs> instead, and that uh, that was a mistake, of course. And maybe Nick Saban would have been their coach here with uh, with maybe That's three true. or four Super Bowl titles. Uh, two-time Offensive Player of the World uh, of the uh, Player of the Year and uh, three-time Pro Bowler. But uh, it's like the question is, where do you put Breeze in, in ranking? And Brady's one, Montana's two. Guy like Unitas has two-time champion, uh, three-time MVP. Autogram people don't know about, but Autogram went to 10 straight years of going to the championship, and he won seven years. And then I think Peyton Manning would be like fifth, Elway sixth, Brell Bradshaw seventh. And then I really think you have Breeze, Marino, Farb, and Rogers, and Staubach sort of in that like eight, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 range. But really a great, a great career. He won one Super Bowl. I was surprised when he's only one year as first team all, all, all pro, which I was that is surprising. But, Joe, but when you're in a league, when you're playing with the Peyton Mannings and the, uh, and, and the Tom Brady's, uh, those things happen. And, uh, but, uh, so it'll be, it's a great, he's a great person. His contributions to New Orleans uh, go on and on and on. How he helped the city after Katrina, uh, his devotion to the, to the town. They might have lost their team. I mean, after Katrina, there was no Superdome, no whatever. He really that town loves the Saints, but he really rallied everybody around. He just when you see the New Orleans Saints, I think they're there because of Drew Brees being uh, the quarterback for the team. I think one last thing is I think he missed the year they had the the uh, bounty gate over Brett Favre when Sean Payton had to step back. I think that their team was building to be the superstar team then. I think that hurt him back. And and he's lost some really close playoff games. I mean, if he would have won those games, the Minnesota game, that was crazy. I was at the yeah. San Francisco game with a bad call. I mean, there's 
some breaks didn't go his way. I'm glad. The one thing is, I was at the Super Bowl in Miami when he beat Peyton Manning to win. I'm glad he got the one Super Bowl. So that's one thing is to is rather get that one Super Bowl, and not be like Marino and have no Super Bowls. No, absolutely. Um, so Patrick Mahomes got a lot of money and. We saw as a result of the cap falling down some casualties on that offensive line as he's going to lose both tackles, but they did make a big splash today. It's crazy. They lost the both tackles who didn't play in the Super Bowl. Then they signed... And then look how bad they looked in the Super Bowl on the offensive line. And then they signed Joe Thune, though, like from the New England, and they gave him a lot of money. It, this is crazy. I think this is like one of those things where it's going to be hard to analyze until everything, the dust settles from this whole thing. But I'll tell you one thing. With the, with the salary cap down to $182 million down from which could have been, people think it should have been like 210 million so it's like 20 million under you're going to get people cut but eventually there's going to be a lot of good veterans that will have to make a decision do you want to play for a million or two million or just retire and then this draft and this free agent these college players coming out you can't miss there are going to be people that are drafted it's there's not going to be development they're going to have to be the difference on that team so that was uh but the chiefs made that look when the quarterbacks are taking 40 million dollars of 180 million dollar salary cap this is what happens um the bucks are it looks like they're getting a lot of these players back i don't know how they're doing it financially, but they're making it happen. Well, the two defensive players they needed was Levante David, who's been on the team for 10 years, the star defensive player. He resigned earlier in the week. And then Shaq Barrett, just a few minutes ago, signed four years, $72 million. He had three sacks against Aaron Rodgers in the championship game, one in the Super Bowl, four hits, key person on that defense. They got almost everybody back now, except for the Dominic Sue, who they're waiting for, maybe Leonard Fournette. I mean, there's rumors that Gronkowski's not going anywhere. And Antonio he he Brown's signed, actually, just, just before. He just signed right now? Yeah. Okay, so there it's at. <laughs> It's happening fast and furious, but Tampa Bay is you know, running it back another year, um, and that's when you have Tom Brady. And you're, and you're going to see some other guys that are just going to just say, look, I want to be part of this team, yeah. part of this atmosphere, and, and uh, they've just done such a great job in Tampa Bay. Let's talk about a, a big loss and something you're a big fan of. It's uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Okay. When I was in like 8, 9, 10 years old growing up and watching on Saturday when they had boxing and it was the big event, Marvelous Marvin Hagler went 46-2-1, and two and one, and it was like he fought almost in like six years. He fought like every month he fought a fight and was dominant, and he like looked the part, looked like a fighter. He wasn't like Mayweather dance around. He would just go for it, go for it, just throw punch, 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 never get knocked down, anything. I loved him. They never gave him a title, and you were always like, give him a title, give him a title. He played, He fought Vito Anaferno for, this fight, for the title shot, and it was a draw. It was ridiculous. It wasn't a draw. <laughs> he won the fight. I was so mad. Then he had to fight three more fights. Finally, this guy, Alan Minter, won from England. So then he had to go over to Alan Minter to, to Wembley Stadium. He he destroyed Minter in two rounds. He's the champion. Finally, I'm like, yes, my guy. Marvelous Marvel High was the champion. They threw 80,000 people threw bottles at him. He was underneath the table. They had to like enter. They had to leave the, the ring with glass bottles, not the plastic cups, whatever, with glass bottles coming down on the table, breaking down. They, they said that like 10,000 bottles were thrown Jeez. at them. And then he goes and he has 11 de- title defenses. And then in 1985, he Tom Tommy Hearns, he goes, Against in '85, he goes against uh, 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 Hearns, and uh, it was one of the greatest boxing matches of all time. It, because Hearns was going into that, he just punched someone and you're out. And his attitude was, "I'm going to come in and fight." And Hagler was going in that first round. They just went and started pounding each other. Second round was one thing, and then the third round, Hagler was bleeding, and he said, "I have to go for the wood right now. I don't want this fight stopped." And he just was going after Hearns, and Hearns was throwing punches. And it was what the greatest three rounds of boxing you could imagine. So he won that fight, and then two years later, he was after. Lang- 
Leonard, and uh, Leonard finally, Sugar Ray Leonard agreed to fight him. It was one of the most controversial fights because you have some people that rolled it like 118-110 Leonard, the other 118-110 Hagler. Everyone's all across the board. It was the weirdest fight. This is where the whole Leonard at the end of the round, firing the punches at the end. Um, but anyway, he retired. He went to become an actor in Italy after that. And I just feel <laughs> terrible that he died at a young age of 66. Um, he was one of my, growing up, one of the most exciting fighters. As I said, it was when you didn't have to stay up till 12 o'clock to watch fights. It was at 4 or 5 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, almost like once a month. Marvis Marvin Hagler is my favorite athlete, and I feel I'm devastated that he's that he's passed away. Ira, what's going on in racing? Um, Martin Truex Jr. won Phoenix of Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, he he and Jody Logano were battling. I didn't see the race because I was at the players, but but it was Logano and Truex. And uh, Truex was 25th at Daytona, but third at Homestead, sixth in, in Vegas, and uh, and then Denny Hamlin finished in third in third for the race. But uh, Hamlin now has four top five. So even though one Truex, Larson, Bell, Brian, and McDowell, the five winners are in the five top positions. Hamlin is number six. But it was it was one of those wins that Truex. I mean, Joe Gibbs Racing, the Toyotas um, seem to be doing really well this year. He was the one Toyota runner that wasn't running as well, but uh, a, a big win for them. So, Ira, we got just a minute or so left here. Let's talk just a little quick Honda Classic preview, and it does look like both Gary Woodland and Scott Piercy not going to make it to the Honda Classic due to COVID, and Daniel Berger went for an MRI today. Well, hopefully Berger can play. If Berger is healthy, he's going to win this tournament, I think. If he doesn't, <laughs> I'm going to say it's Taylor Gooch. Right now, he's 28-1. to 1. We had him on our show. He seems confident. He played well. Like, I would bet 28-1 to 1, if you can get those odds to do that. Um, Sun J.M. is the winner last year. Someone to think about Shane Lowry, the British Open winner, played well against it, it played well at the at players. So potentially him. Lee Westwood, of course, who played of well. Course. But your question, he's played two tournaments in a row. Is he gonna be a little too tired for this? Is Les Westwood gonna be he played great last year? So Westwood's gonna be in the mix at, at this. But if you want to come out and see Ricky Fowler, is this the time tournament that Ricky Fowler turns around? And a guy like Phil Mickelson, who's such a smart cerebral player, is this the tournament that he comes on and has been playing terrible all year? He's dropped, fell out of the top 100 for the first time since 1993. He's gone, oh, wow. he went at 1,400 weeks in the top 100. Uh, it's just totally, it's amazing. that You know, the fact is he's never was number one in the world. So we just have, uh, Lee Westwood was number one in the world, but Phil Mickelson was never number one. He was for 270 weeks behind Tiger Woods. Um, but his last victory came in 2019. But I'd like to see Mickelson. I'd like to see Fowler. Hopefully, Daniel Berger can can play. Zach Johnson, uh, who plays well, he has two-time major winner, who's here in the tournament. So, and Adam Scott. And then a young golfer, Joaquin Neiman, who we saw might come and might, might, might too well. But it's like one of those uh, Mitchell, two years ago, we had him on our show, came out of nowhere and won it. Um, I'm excited. It's a chance. Uh, but I think if Berger, who has played well, went in the playoff with Patty Harrington, has been playing well really the last year, super well, I think if he's healthy enough to play, he should be the favorite to win. I mean, he is the favorite to win, but I think he would win. So we are out of time. I want to thank God Taylor Gooch and also Jim Herman so much for stopping by. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports.